Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. If you brought your Bibles today, or if you're at home, I want to invite you to open up with me today to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 25. Psalms chapter 25 and verse number 9. Psalms 25 and verse number 9. If you didn't bring a Bible today, or you don't have one at home or wherever you're watching from, uh, no worries. It will also be on the screens, although I'd encourage you, get a Bible at some point. I think it'll be good for you. Psalms 25 and verse 9, it says this, the meek will he guide, he being God, will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Why don't you you say this with me? Say, God will guide me. Whenever you're sitting there and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to respond, you you see your children acting a certain way, and it's like, what do we do in this season? I just want you to pull back, and I want you to say, God will guide me. When you're looking at, like, all the craziness going on in our world and what will be our next step and all those kinds of things, maybe you even lost your job. Maybe you're, you're sitting there at home today, maybe a little depressed because things economically have not been working out the way that you, you thought they would have. I want you to pull back, and I want you to say, God will guide me. Why don't you say that one more time with me? Say, God will guide me. The Bible says in Psalms 25, the meek will God guide in judgment. The meek, God will show them his way. So the question I have for you and me today is this, am I meek? Am am I a person who is Meek. We're going to talk about meekness. Now, it's funny, we're in a series entitled, I Think I Heard from God, and I have been pleasantly surprised uh, because it creates a teaching moment for me about some of the pushback I receive for the name of that title. And the reason why some people push back on the name of the title of the sermon series, I think I heard from God, is because there were a lot of people who were very religious uh, who contacted me and said, you should know as a pastor if you are hearing from God or not. Like, you should know you're hearing from God. You shouldn't think you're hearing from God. You should know you are hearing from God because surely if God spoke to anybody, they would know it, right? If God spoke to someone, you would know it's God, right? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. God is speaking to people literally all the time, and they don't know it. God spoke to Samuel. He thought it was Eli. Jacob penned this. He said, surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. You've seen God. 
Jesus, every time he opened his mouth, people were hearing from God, and they didn't think they were. So much so, they killed him. They crucified him. There was a moment in Scripture where Jesus, this is literally after his resurrection, he is walking with not just anybody, he is walking with his disciples, the people who knew him the best. And he walks with them for seven miles. After walking seven miles with them, they invite him into their house. He eats a whole meal with them in their house. The whole time he is with them, they don't know God is there. They don't discern him as Jesus. Jesus would speak and people wouldn't hear it. Jesus would would say things on behalf of God and people would deny it as not being God. God is speaking all the time. Peter heard God through a a rooster. A rooster crowed three times and when he did, he heard from God. God's speaking all the time. The wise men heard from God from a star. Balaam heard God from a donkey. God is speaking all the time, but we are just not picking it up. And the reason why is there's not a ton of meekness. The meek, God will guide in judgment. There's a passage of Scripture in the book of John. They'll put it up on the screens, in the book of John, on the screens. John chapter 12 and verse 40. Uh, Jesus is talking here about why people aren't seeing him as God, hearing him as God. They would walk away not sure if they heard from God. And watch what Jesus said here. He hath, meaning the enemy, hath blinded their eyes and, this is what I want to get at today, hardened their heart. That they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted that I should heal them. Now, notice this. God wants to change you. That's what being converted means. How many of you know God wants to change you? How many of you know if you don't like you, God can change you? How many of you know sometimes you can't change you, but you're not a hopeless case? Because even if you can't change you, how many of you believe you have a God who's big enough to change you? So God says, I want to convert you. And oftentimes God says, I want to come and heal you. You ever been hurt? Hurt by people? Hurt by life? Hurt by something physical going on in your body? God says, I want to convert you. I want to change you. And I want to heal you. But the issue as as to why I can't is you don't see me when I'm coming. And the reason why you don't see me with your eyes or understand me with your heart is because your heart has been hardened And your eyes have been blinded. This is what I want to talk about today. If we are going to have God guide us, if we are going to understand when God speaks to us, and is there anything more valuable than that? To hear from God, to know you've heard from God. Could there be anything more precious? If we're going to have that, we must be meek, We must be tender-hearted. Let's go in our Bibles. You're in Psalms. Let's go to the, the New Testament in the book of Hebrews. I want you to see this from the New Testament as well as the Old this morning. The book book of Hebrews. 
And Paul writes this in the book of Hebrews in chapter 3. He mentions something four different times throughout Hebrews 3 over into Hebrews 4. We'll see it here in Hebrews 3 and verse number 7. Hebrews 3 and verse number 7 says this, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, now let's just stop right there. How many of you see that the Holy Spirit wants to say? God wants to speak. And if God said something and they were able to write it down, what does that mean? They heard it. So God's still speaking, and people are hearing from God. You know, I say this all the time, but it, it, it bears repeating. Uh, people say, I just, I just get concerned when I hear people say they heard from God. Like, I just, I just, I just get concerned when people say they are hearing from God. You know what concerns me? It's all the people who never hear from God. Because the whole Bible is people who are hearing from God. So notice, here in verse 7 again. I'm sorry, yes, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will. Notice the language there, if you will. So it's not a certainty. You're not automatically going to hear. It's your choice. If you will hear his voice, Verse 8, notice, harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Wherefore, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Go down to verse 13, Hebrews 3 and verse 13. But I exhort one another daily... I exhort you daily. So notice, uh, any time a, a man of God who is hearing from God, and I believe like Scripture is not just Paul writing, I believe this is our Heavenly Father speaking through the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he said, if it was up to me, I would tell you this daily. Any of you have kids? How many of you have kids? Are there things you have to tell them to do daily? brush your teeth, you know, things like that. Daily, you're having to tell them these things. The things that you have to tell them daily, don't forget your book bag, be nice to your brother, whatever it may be, daily, if you're telling them to it daily, it's because of what? It's important and they are forgetting it. Now, notice he says, I would tell you this daily while it is called today, lest any of you be, notice this word again, hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Go down to verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Uh, chapter 4 and verse number 7. Chapter 4 and verse number 7. Again, he limiteth it a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You have the capacity to harden your heart. 
And scripture is clear. It says it four times in a matter of like 15 verses that you need to be careful that when you are trying to hear the voice of God, that you do not harden your heart. Uh, This phrase is repeated over and over again, that we should not harden our heart. Now, this word harden means something. When you look it up in in Scripture, uh, here's what it means. To make callous, to be unfeeling, to resist to the point of stubbornness, to make callous, to make it unfeeling, to resist to the point of stubbornness. In the book of John, you don't have to turn there, they'll put it up on the screens, we have a a moment where a woman is caught in her sin. You ever been caught in sin before? You ever been found out? Uh, This woman is found out by some, some very just, well, I guess we could put it this way, hardened people. And when they catch her in her mistake, they want to see her punished. This is one of the ways you know if your heart is hardened or not. What do you gravitate towards, mercy or judgment? Mercy or judgment? And here in this moment, when they catch her in her sin, because of the hardness of their heart, They want to see this woman punished to the point of death. They want her so judged, so condemned, that they kill her. And this is what's in their heart. So they come to Jesus because they see it as like a moment where they can catch Jesus as well. And they're like, Jesus, here's what the Old Testament told us to do. If someone was caught with this type of sin, they would be stoned. And we all have our stones here and we're going to throw these stones. But before we do, we want to know what you say. Because remember, the whole time they're upset with Jesus is Jesus is telling them, I'm speaking for God. I am the son of God, and I am speaking for God. So like, okay, if you're really God, what do you say on this issue? And you know the story, Jesus bent down and rode on the ground, and then he stood up and he looked at them, and they were still hardened. And so he bent down and and stooped again. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, and they which heard it, now notice this, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even unto the youngest, and Jesus was left standing alone. Now notice right here, just keep it here in verse number 9, being convicted by their own conscience. So here here you have a moment where you have a bunch of people who are hardened. They're not wanting to hear from God. They're not wanting to listen to God. They have fallen into a hardened state all the while while going to church. These people were the religious people. These people were not like hardened sinners and like that type of mindset where, you know, they were out clubbing last night or whatever it may be. These were the people who were church-going, synagogue-going people And they have developed a hardness of heart to the point where now they are going to condemn people for their sin while letting their sin go unchecked. 
So we don't know exactly what Jesus wrote in the ground. I think he just simply wrote, it takes one to know one. But anyway, I'm kidding. We don't know what he wrote. But what we do know is when they saw it, their own, now this is interesting, their own conscience convicted them. Their own heart convicted them. And one by one, what did they do? They dropped their stone. Jesus cut through that hard heart, made it tender again, and they changed course. They became meek. Before, they are hardened, they are stubborn, they are persistent, but after talking to Jesus, they dropped that hardness, they dropped that stone, and they became soft again. When you have a tender conscience, things bother you. When when you have a tender conscience, anything in you that's not of God, it bothers you. When, When you have a tender conscience and you're watching something, and you're watching it, and you know there's some things in it that, you know, that's just not of God. The spirit that's on it, the attitude that's on it, that's just, that's just not of God. And your heart, when your heart is tender, it bothers you. And something on the inside knows, I need to turn the channel. Something on the inside knows, I need to, to listen to something else. Something on the inside knows, I shouldn't talk to her that way. Something on the inside knows, for, for those of you who are in school, for those, you know, you're, you're there and you're in high school, you're in junior high or maybe even elementary school, and you, you just see some, some people being a little bit rude to someone else, and, you know, you're kind of tempted not to say anything, but in your heart, something rises up and, and it, it, it gets you and it convicts you. Say something. Be nice, be kind, go sit with them. And and in your heart, because it's tender, God is guiding it. But here's, here's what Scripture teaches, is you have the power to harden your heart. You have the power to act like it doesn't bother you. You have the power to kind of pull back and act like, I didn't hear it. You have the power to kind of like stop being bothered by it. Like, it it bothers you, but you have the power to override that and watch it anyway, listen to it anyway, do it anyway. In your heart, you know to forgive, you know to kind of let it go, but you have the power to override that. And in overriding that, you just carry the grudge a couple of more weeks and, you know, hold on to it a little longer than you should. And all the while, while we're doing that, it, it might be producing an outside change, But it most definitely is producing an inside change. And what's happening on the inside is this beautiful, tender heart of flesh that God can connect with, teach, guide, instruct, show his way to, you know, guide. This beautiful, tender heart of of flesh, this man on the inside, this hidden person of the heart, Peter said can get hardened. And what Satan is at work in your life and my life to do is to harden our heart, 
to blind our eyes because when we have our heart hardened and our eyes blinded, we can't see change. So we're praying for change, but Jesus can't convert us. And we're asking God for healing, but he can't bring healing because the meek he guides in judgment. And you know what the meek do? They back down. The meek will allow their heart to not be calloused. Uh, the, the person that I, I went to, to Bible school under, uh, he was just a mighty man of God. And he would make this statement all the time. He said, if you, because this is your choice, why don't you say that with me? Say, it's my choice. If you will make the choice to override your heart, your heart will get hardened and spiritual things will become undiscernible to you. You ever fallen into a funk? And you knew you were. You know what I mean by that? It's like, you're not right. You ever felt, I'm not right. You ever felt that? I'm just not. Is that just me? Is that just something? Yes, thank you for the hand. Anybody else ever felt like, I just, I'm not right right now. Like, and you can feel it. When, when this happens, when we fall into these things, our heart is becoming hardened and God can't arrest it. So we begin to drift further and further and further away. And it's because we've fallen over into a place of getting stubborn, of getting hard-hearted. Here's the way he described it, this, this minister. He said, back in the 1930s, anybody, well, I guess, would there be anybody alive who, who lived in the 1930s, maybe late night and Probably not here if you were. But anyway, maybe you're watching from a, a center somewhere back in the 1930s. But anyway, so he said back in the 1930s, he was a traveling speaker. And he made the decision to help out this little church in the country of Texas. And the country of Texas. In the county. A county in Texas. Although Texas sometimes would like to consider itself a country. Anyway. Uh, so uh, he said he was back there. And back in the middle of nowhere. Just in the woods. Uh, you know. And he's back there. And this old guy offered to allow him. He said he was 87 years old. Allowed him to stay in his house. So every time he came out there to preach. He said just stay with me. So you wanted to get a place. And he said, I'd wake up in the morning to pray with him and to, you know, study the word of God with him. And whenever we would wake up, he would have a big cast iron pot on the stovetop. And he would make his coffee off of the stovetop. And he'd get it and just put it on boiling, you know, just, just hot water and make his coffee and pour it into a big, thick mug. And he said, I would watch him. And he said, the first time I watched him do it, he said, I hollered. Take that, that cup, dump the full thing in it, and just choke it down. I mean, just take it and just pour it like the whole thing. Not sip it, just take it all the way in. And he said, it just blew my mind of how anybody could do that. But how many of you know, you couldn't do that overnight? That if you tried to do, if, if, you, had, if you weren't a coffee drinker, and you tried to take coffee right off the stove and just take it and, and put it back, it would burn your flesh so bad that immediately you would what? 
stop. You, you would back down. You would be like, <laughs> I can't do that. But here's the thing. Day after day, week after week, month after month, of taking in something that at one time would hurt you, at one time would slow you, if nothing else, at one time stop you, taking it in little by little, day by day, over and over, again and again, it begins to make callous what was soft. How fast can God get you to stop? How fast can God get you to stop? Because here's the thing about God. If he can't correct you, he can't instruct you. But if God can correct you, God can instruct you because the meek, God will guide in judgment. And so the enemy wants you unsensitive to the Lord's correction so he can make you insensitive to the Lord's direction and stop the plan of God in your life. And the only way to be sensitive to the Lord's direction is to also be sensitive to the Lord's correction. In Timothy, it writes this. They'll they'll put it up on the screens. In the book of Timothy, it says this in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit, once again, notice the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Verse number 2. Speaking lies and, and hypocrisy. Notice, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, did you notice the phrasing of this? Speaking lies. So notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say telling a a lie. Telling a lie, having my conscience seared. It it doesn't say telling a lie. It doesn't say, you know, like occasionally, every once in a while, lie and sear. No, it says speaking, so that's continual, lies. So it's not one, it's over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And through doing something over and over again, it sears The conscience, another way of saying this would be, it hardens the heart. And and what the enemy wants to do in your life and mine is to develop some type of pattern. For some, it's lying, a pattern of lying. I, I just find myself constantly exaggerating, constantly lying, and my heart at one point will say, you know that didn't happen that way. Why in the world would you tell them it happened that way? You know, in church, they call it evangelistically speaking. It's like we had 600 people in the room, and it was actually like 118, you know, but it felt like 600. But, you, you know, I, so I say that, and I exaggerate it in my heart. I know, like I should, you know, not do that, but eh, it's okay. And it might be okay one time. But again and again and again and again and again and again, at at constantly not listening to that check, not listening to that stop. If I do it again and again, it will sear my conscience. I can remember, I'll close with this. When when I went to the Bible school, I went to, I went right after my father passed away. So my father passed away when I was 17. 
And out of that, I went through a period of, of time in my life, I would say anywhere between three to five months, where I was hearing from God all of the time. And it was always outside. Like, I'd walk into church, someone would walk up to me and say, I've got a word from you. And it would be from God. I mean, it would be like the legit thing. Like, like just incredibly profound at what I was going through. I, I would walk into a, a meeting in another state. And the pastor who was preaching would stop the service, walk up the aisle, and say, God's got a word from you. They didn't know me from Adam. I was hearing from God all of the time. And I I needed that. But after a while, I, I, I kind of settled in into a new state, 17 years old, new state, And I I was, you know, alone a lot. And that's kind of dangerous sometimes, to get alone. And the more I was alone and kind of out of different environments, I was going to Bible school every day, and I worked at a Christian coffee shop, so I was around good people. But I, I became more and more isolated. And the hurt of what happened to me got in my heart. Now, see, here's the thing. When Jesus was teaching, uh, he would often tell his disciples and his followers, he's like, look, you keep talking about how all this stuff on the outside, like what a man eats, will defile him. Like, don't eat without unwashing hands. And he's like, don't get me wrong. It's a good idea to wash your hands. But he's like, you've turned that into sin, thinking that like something physical out there, if it gets in your belly, will defile you. But he said, when you take of something that you eat, it goes into your belly. But he said, what you're not paying attention to is the things that you're processing through your heart. And he said, it's not what goes into a belly that defiles a man. It's what goes into the heart of man that defiles the man. And what had gone through my heart was massive hurt. They say after you've experienced trauma, it takes about three months for it to really set in. And about that window for me, it just kind of set in and it just got in my heart. It just bothered me. And I'd go to church and like, I know I need to worship, but I just would override my heart. And, and I would know I would need, like, it'd be in my heart. Tell somebody about what you're going through. But I would override my heart. I would, I would not listen to it. And, and the more I kind of held on to that hurt, and the more I was kind of there, I noticed the more angry I began to get at religion, at God, at church, at all of these types of things. Like, I found myself in the middle of this, just getting a little ostracized. Like, it was kind of my John the Baptist moment where it's like, if you're really the Lord, why am I in prison? And like, if you're really God, like, why am I here? Why? Because it got in his heart. And when you're there and you're disappointed, and all disappointment is, is when someone doesn't live up to your expectations, and oftentimes we find in life, very seldom does anything or anyone live up to our expectations. And so that disappointment goes through where? Your heart. And when you keep it there, and the Holy Spirit is touching your heart, saying, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let's pray about this. Hey, let's acknowledge this. Hey, let's let's come back to this. I know you want to talk about this, but let's... And I can remember 
going through this rhythm of just ignoring all the things that I knew that were good for me. And on a Tuesday at the Bible school I went to, they had uh, every Tuesday at like 10 o'clock, they would have a session called Exaltation. And it wasn't a class. It was just a worship moment. And, and, you know, sometimes they would teach, but it was more of like, as students, let's just come and worship. And for the past couple of exaltations, I had just been sitting there. Not because I wasn't a good kid. I was a good kid. I was just hardened. And I can remember sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Lord just piercing through that heart. And he had tried before, but I'd blocked it. You ever had, you ever blocked God? It's like, you, you can sense him like, man, it's like, no, I'm fine. Well, I walk out of the room real quick, change the conversation, turn on Netflix and numb yourself for however many hours. But I'd gotten still enough for God. How many of you know God won't give up on you? I said, how many of you know God won't give up on you? God won't give up on you. You can harden your heart and harden your heart, but God won't give up on you. And he asked me to back down, to humble myself, to get over my pain and to give it to him, to acknowledge that I had been hurt, but to talk about that hurt with him, to share that hurt with him. Because meekness, you can see it in someone's body language. Is this open or closed? Closed. Is this open or closed? Is this open or closed? Is this open or closed? You know who God speaks to? The contrite heart. You know who God speaks to? The open heart. And Satan, your whole life from the moment you walk on this earth, he wants your heart closed. Oh, he wants it hard. And he'll use anything to get it there. He'll hurt you through people. He'll hurt you through life. He'll bring up anything in the world to discourage you and disappoint you. He wants all this stuff not to just happen to you out here, but to pass through your heart. Because he knows if your heart stays humble, if it stays tender, if it stays open, if it stays meek, God can convert you and God can heal you and God can restore you and God can take you from a prince all the way to the top of the kingdom. God can take you from a pauper and set you among kings. Like God can do amazing things if your heart is meek, if your heart is humble, if your heart is open, if it's contrite, God's with the contrite. And I can remember coming down to that altar and just opening up again. Oh, and God will take that heart and he'll breathe life into it. He'll dust off all the scabs and the wounds and heal it and make it right. And you know what happens? When your heart is right, life will get right. I don't know when. I don't know in the process of time. But if you get your heart right... Life will get right. But if you get your heart hard, I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time before marriage starts falling apart, before health starts falling apart, before church starts falling apart, before a nation. 
starts falling apart. Oh, but if you can get it right, if you can get it humble, if you can get it meek, the meek he will guide in judgment. And the meek, he will show his way. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, every person watching online, every person watching on CBS. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. That in the power of your greatness, you enable us to humble our hearts. You enable us to become meek. You enable us to back down. You enable us to open ourselves up. You enable us to come before you with a contrite heart, with a heart that is open, with a heart that is moldable, with a heart that will surrender. With heads bowed, eyes closed all over this place, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to drop my hard heart. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to come in my life and just make it soft again. I don't have a physical stone I've been holding on to, waiting to throw at someone else, but I've been carrying around bitterness in my heart. I've been carrying around unforgiveness in my heart. I've been carrying around disobedience in my heart. I've been carrying around lies in my heart. I've been carrying around sin in my heart. I've been carrying around hurt in my heart. And today, like they dropped their stones before Jesus, I want to drop my hard heart. I want a heart that is soft again. I want a heart that is moldable again. I want a heart that is tender again all over this place all in the room at Highland Colony all online if that's you I want you to do something every head is bowed every eye is closed if that's you I want you to do something I want you to lift your hand all over this place I'm not going to make you walk an aisle I'm not going to make anyone look at your hands going up all over this room hands going up all at Highland Colony I trust if you're at home you're not going to sit there with your arms crossed if you want Jesus to meet you open yourself up open your heart up open your life up if you do he will guide you he will forgive you. Now, everybody here, everybody at Highland Colony, everybody online, I want you to do something with me. I want you to pray. And just say this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender. I become meek. And I say, Lord, I forgive myself. And I forgive Everyone else, everyone who has hurt me, everyone who has offended me, I don't want that in my heart. I release it to you. I release my pain to you. I release my frustration to you. I lay down my frustration even with you. And I say, Lord, I surrender. Make my heart tender again. I want to be tender-hearted. I want to be open to you, Lord Jesus. I want to make you the king of my heart. I say, Lord, my past is over. And my best days are beginning right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we celebrate today, everyone who made a decision? Amen, amen, it's amazing.